Welcome to the fourth episode of Behind the BDS, the mental health and wellbeing podcast for young people. I'll be exploring various mental health diagnoses, my guest experiences living with these conditions, as well as other hidden physical illnesses. I'll also be looking at mental health within the dental profession, speaking to both students and professionals alike to gain their thoughts, advice and wellbeing tips so we can all thrive in our careers. Today I am joined with Holly, a third year medic from the University of Birmingham, also known as at miscellaneous medic on Instagram. We'll be exploring her diagnoses of bipolar disorder, Erlos-Danlos syndrome, EDS, and postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. This is usually where your blood pressure drops and heart rate increases in response to sitting and standing up and can lead to regular syncope, which is passing out. I have learned so much from Holly's Instagram already, including the fact that there are 13 subtypes of EDS, including a periodontal variation for all of us students out there, dental students. So Holly, thank you so much for coming on here to chat with me. And yeah, I'm sure I'm gonna learn so much from you. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's so nice to be on here and having a little chit chat. Oh, thank you. And what I'll do is I'll let you just introduce yourself to the audience a little bit, like where you go, what you do. Obviously, I know this, so like it sounds really weird me saying that, but um, yeah, like where you're from and things like that. So I'm just about to start my third year of medicine at Birmingham. Oh, I should have started. My name's Holly. <laughs> um, but to be honest, probably a lot of people know me as miscellaneous medic on Instagram. Um, so yeah, about to start my third year of medicine at Birmingham. I'm currently in Wiltshire, um, home from uni. But nice. yeah, I'm really excited to be heading back up to uni. Post. 100%. How have you found like being at home over lockdown period? Like how have you found that on mental health as well? Uh, we're going to go for interesting. Um, mm. I found, so I basically worked at Hereford County Hospital for a month at the start oh, wow. of lockdown. Amazing. Um, what are you doing there? So... Birmingham Uni they set up this thing where students could go and work in hospitals so it was like a vol you volunteered to do it but it was a paid role oh wow um yeah so I went to Hereford and because I was only a second year we I I wasn't doing any clinical stuff like I wasn't on a covid ward or anything like that um but I worked in infection prevention for about a week and we helped sort all of the donations and did things like if people you know like those um the science goggles from a levels oh yeah where they have the fabric elastic yeah the ones with the elastic around the back yeah so like even stupid things like we spent a day replacing all of that fabric elastic with silicon tourniquets god it's weird isn't it just want to think about these roles existing but then when you're obviously in it like you realize that is a thing but you just don't yeah well basically if we replace the fabric elastic with silicon tourniquets they're reusable because they can be completely sanitized whereas the fabric can't be so yeah and then I was on main reception for a little bit and worked with patient liaison for a little bit so yeah a little bit all over the place really good Um, experience that though isn't it especially early on into like a medical degree it's pretty good experience just to have yeah definitely and also it just kept me busy for a month you know definitely definitely. it's been a long time hasn't it this whole lockdown period has been so so long like I've not I kind of lose track of it myself that it's been since March I know it's honestly it's wild and I mean we didn't have really any work set from uni because Birmingham doesn't have any teaching in third semester right we only have exams which were cancelled you haven't been left with much to do yeah we've been like off (laughs) I know we've been pretty similar to be honest we had exams at the end of May I think it was we had exams then so I mean there was a bit of revision before that obviously which kind of gave you something to do and like an incentive which was quite nice but then since the end of May there hasn't been anything and even that's felt like long enough to be honest so it's just yeah looking forward to getting back into some kind of kind of workload I suppose and getting some kind of education back yeah definitely 
so what I'll do is mental health wise, like we'll go kind of into it and sort of your experiences, but like, yeah, start me off like where things sort of seem to present for you and like symptom wise, like what sort of symptoms did you develop and kind of notice initially? So I think if you were to sort of look back Mm. starting from now, like I'd had from like a really young age, I just had quite a dark thought process for a child. Um, Yeah. Like when you look back at it, like I've always been quite creative and stuff. So I had like a journal mm-hmm. um, and that like a lot of it was art journaling, I guess. Like I didn't, I didn't like write huge essays to myself. But yeah. when you look back at that, even when I was in quite like quite young years of secondary school, which is when I properly started doing the whole journal thing, like they're really, they're quite dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all just sort of like pootled along and like it, it was just sort of gradually getting worse yeah did you have um, any support or like did, did anyone know at this point or was this just you just like living life with knowing these sort not really knowing at that point because she was young or yeah I was just sort of pootling along you know mm. um and then I had in what year was I in maybe year 11 I'd had like a few sessions with cams right okay. um where I'm not gonna lie they didn't really do anything Mm, um, a bit useless. So what 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 initiated yeah. your what initiated your referral to CAMS? Was it like a particular event, or was it just kind of like you went to your GP and sort of like it just kind of happened from there, really? And so I got referred to them. I basically our school had like a Wednesday drop in session. Oh, that's pretty good. And yeah, so I went to one of them because I was like, you know what? I just it hit a point with just sort of like background intrusive thoughts where I was like, you know, I just feel like this isn't normal, you know? Yeah, something's and, um, going on. Yeah, I think the person that I dropped in to see was like, yeah, no. (laughs) And like then referred me forward. Um, So, yeah. And then I just sort of, again, like just carried on pootling along, really. Um, You know, pootling downhill. I know, it's really hard, isn't it? Was your family family aware at this point, do you think? Or like what was kind of everyone else around you saying or was not much being said? Um, So... So, like, I've always been very, very good at, like, masking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that is almost still an issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, part of that is to do with the fact that I have... So, it's kind of a new diagnostic term yeah. that they gave me, which is unclassified bipolar. Okay. With a t- strong tendency towards mixed affective disorder is or mixed affective episodes which is when you experience like major clinical depression with hypermania yeah okay so is that like bipolar type 2 kind of thing if you know if you've heard of that expression yeah yeah so i they haven't classed me as bipolar 1 or bipolar 2 um that that's what the sort of unclassified bit means right yeah yeah of course yeah, but I think like if you when they, if they were to look at it, they'd be probably be going towards more bipolar too because I don't with the I have haven't had what would be classed as a diagnostically classified full manic episode. Yeah, I find that really hard to understand because like obviously where does that bridge cross from hypermania into mania? You know what I mean? Like where would would it be very obvious? And like that's why. Yeah, and like or... I've had some episodes. Yeah, so it is a really, really difficult one. And a lot of it also, a lot of clinicians won't diagnose someone as having had manic episodes unless okay. they've seen them. 
Right. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's interesting. They wouldn't yeah. just go off your kind of experience from it or like your symptoms and you kind of telling them your history in a way. Yeah. They often, they all want to see you in that. And it's why people often get, it's called the cyclothymia. Yeah. Which is, actually, yeah. Yeah. It's like unnatural fluctuations in mood, right. but not to the same severity as they, that would get you a bipolar two or bipolar one diagnosis okay um, that's probably why it's so underdiagnosed a lot of the time then because people will just get diagnosed with depression instead or like wrongly or like the other conditions is it like is it cyclothymia that's how you pronounce it yeah cyclothymia. Um, yeah so is that why maybe it's so underdiagnosed yeah i think so and i think also it just it can prevent present very very differently in different people um and depending on like it's a really interesting discussion because it's all about when does your personality become pathological? Yeah. Yeah. So when, so like a really easy example to look at is when does something like ADHD, when does having a high energy personality become a pathological disorder such as ADHD? Mm -hmm. So like, it's a lot of just sort of where do we put that line? Yeah, it's really true. And I think that's why, like, if I've had, like, I've had, like, um, so many diagnoses thrown at me before, like, bipolar, depression, OCD, yeah. ADHD. And I think sometimes I start thinking myself, like, which, obviously, I get, like, you know, a bit held up thinking, like, which one do I have? Do I have, like, all five diagnoses? But obviously, I've not been diagnosed. I don't know. Sometimes I question myself because, obviously, I know I'm a very, like, energetic personality, like, a bit in your face at times, speak really fast. And then part of me is thinking, oh, my God, is that mania? Is that hypermania? Is that ADHD? Like, I just don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think with, yeah, something like, so with mania, you very, very definitely know. Yeah. Um, I was, I was... You're having, like, grandiose illusions. And, like, so, for example, I don't know, being, like, I, I've cured cancer like okay. I, I've done this or like you know what I've done this and and the CIA are, are out to get me and everything is going on and your mind's going three million miles per hour and that, that's when you end up hospitalized basically but you would know about that situation it's, it's, it's very interfering with your life to a point that you are yeah like you are you are through your decision making a danger to yourself but you have yeah. absolutely no idea because in your head, like you're amazing, like, like you've solved all of this and like you're doing this and this is an, an amazing thing to be doing. And, and Definitely. it literally goes on in that, in that cycle. Yeah. It's um, like, that's their reality in that moment. But like, it's yeah. not reality. It's like false sense of reality, but obviously it's just like where they're at kind of thing. And yeah, I think I agree with yeah, that. No, in terms that's of a like, really good way of explaining it. Mania being like, you would, totally know you're in it's like being really severely depressed like I can't when even though I still really find it hard to explain to people but like you know if that makes sense like it's not like you need someone to tell you like you've got depression because like you literally just know like that's the one diagnosis that like I'm fully aware of that I just don't even need to be like psychiatrically diagnosed to like know I've got it because I just have been there and you just know about it um and I feel like mania will be very similar in that way it's yeah definitely and I think it's it's a really interesting discussion in terms of mental health diagnoses especially with things like depression or anxiety um yeah and about whether what level of clinician involvement do people have to have before they're diagnosed with something so like i only got adhd as a label really really recently how did that diagnosis come around with adhd was that something that like has been quite like a slowly progressing thing over a long time or is it does it just kind of has it been a very recent 
sort of thing so, with symptoms and getting treatment and things so they basically diagnosed that at the same time as this guy started talking to me about the mixed effective right and it's often like it's quite commonly almost secondary to various bipolar branches okay um and again it's something that is really really underdiagnosed in particularly girls and particularly mm. high achieving girls mm-hmm. um and it's exactly the same as with like bipolar especially bipolar 2 where you only yeah. have well not only but where you experience hypermania rather than mania. With an o rather than an er yeah um because for example i don't know say you're you've got a gifted student and all of a sudden they're running but they've always been good at they've always been good at sport like they've always been involved in that but all of a sudden they are running mm-hmm. i don't know 16 kilometers a day yeah like they, they they've just started doing it and then within two weeks they're like you know what i can run a marathon and they go and run a marathon mm-hmm. that that is very unlikely to be picked up if you yeah. are a high achieving mm. sporty that's true person it, it's like a socially acceptable thing to be doing almost compulsively because yeah. you've just suddenly got all this energy and you can do it and you can just keep 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 going until you can't yeah yeah so I, I think it is a really interesting it's a really interesting just sort of area yeah it is I think yeah even with like depression and stuff and every mental health condition really I have thought about that recently quite a lot and just thinking that like you obviously you know people go to their GP which is obviously fantastic and then you know they might prescribe and I just always find it so bizarre that like I'm being treated for something that like I don't even know what I'm being treated for if that makes sense like obviously you can have in your own head like what the provisional diagnosis is or like obviously what the GP is thinking it is but like nothing's actually been confirmed and you're being like medicated for that and I find that quite hard to get your head around if that makes sense and quite hard to be like at peace with yeah and I think it's another one where actually as a country we we need a serious change in mental health care mm, um, definitely I mean I've been on maybe six antidepressants mm-hmm. definitely been through uh, fair fair shoot fair few there haven't yeah. you a little bit yeah like I've been through so different many I'm now on medication related to bipolar I've been on I've had like emergency um, medications provided. I've been on things like Zopiclone to help with sleep. I've been on high dose antihistamines to help with sleep, but never mm-hmm. once have I been able to access therapy. Yeah, isn't it unreal? Isn't it absolutely yeah. unreal? So have you had any talk in therapies up to this point or has it been absolutely nothing? Absolutely nothing. Oh, um, wow, that oh, is unreal. Well, actually, actually, I, that, so I had, yeah, I had four sessions mm. with like a one like a charity in Birmingham all that that were they were really really weird um like you had to come up with what you wanted to discuss and problems that you wanted to unravel oh my god that was they didn't really provide yeah they didn't provide any real input but the issue is that I know exactly where I'm at I can tell you where I'm at what I don't know is the things that have caused that and how to resolve it yeah. So therefore, yeah. that sort of session is does not work. Completely unproductive, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. Like at Sheffield, it was the exact same. Like I tried the university counselling service, and it was like obviously with the university, which is like great. They offer that service, and like I don't know if it was just the two people I got there, or it's just the general like service. And like no matter who I would have seen, it would have been the same 
situation but it was exactly the same as that and like they were kind of asking me you know what do you want to talk about like where do you want to go from here like we'll just let you speak and like that's about that but like there was no conversation back and forth there was no direction and I remember I just would leave it and like feel so much worse like I literally would just be like crying because I'd feel more helpless you know what I mean because it would just be so unproductive and I was expecting it to be like a bit of something not necessarily like a miracle cure but like I expect it to still be like helpful in some capacity but it just like was absolutely not yeah and I think that's that's really true and I mean there's so like I've had experiences where I've been referred I've been referred to I do not know how many different centers for therapy and my issue is for me is that I know that when you look down that form the reason people don't want to take me on as a patient and quite understandably to be honest is because I don't have a support network that I would reliably use if I felt worse after a session. So for me, I think that's where the issue lies with them. So I'm waiting for a, like, it's like a patient liaison person who then would be available after all sessions. He's basically just keeping an eye on you. But they, there is such a waiting list for them right okay is that all nhs is that all nhs based and stuff and like through just like nhs psychological services yeah so in birmingham basically all the 16 to 25 year old mental health care is done through a company called forward thinking birmingham okay so it's like nhs but they're almost like a standalone service that's interesting I, don't, I, presume yeah. maybe, I, I presume every city maybe has its kind of equivalent but yeah it's trying to find these things as well like sometimes I'm just not even aware of these bodies that exist which is a shame yeah yeah and I think it's where something like Instagram is so invaluable because actually the more people share their stories and where they manage to access support and where was good and what worked here and what worked there the more the greater the chance of someone going actually I could try that yeah. why don't I give them a message why don't I email them that is so true because it's like even with um tash the medic like on the first episode that i did she, her talking about the listening place in london like obviously yeah. not in london but like them sort of things like charities and stuff they just you know have done such amazing work but you just i wouldn't have a clue of if i like wasn't on instagram and following the type of people that like obviously i'm following now on my like account so it's amazing really yeah i think that there is a double-edged side to it and the fact that i know that personally Sometimes it's really hard to see people's posts about like how I found therapy or I don't know how, how I got over my depression or what I learned from therapy because it's really hard to then not be self-critical of your own journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, And I think it's, yeah, I think it's the point that's not often discussed is that like, it's amazing to see like all these things and it's like, I'm here and like I've got over it and like you you you'll get over it too that's amazing it's it's really hard if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere yeah yeah it's true if you're still very static in your journey in that way and like not much is progressing like and obviously with like a million waiting lists and things like that can often be the case um like you say then try not to compare yourself to others still because social media like no matter how much people think okay I'm so like over that like I do not compare myself to anyone like it's so subconscious that like you just do it without even realizing you're doing it half the time and like you say just being critical of your own experiences because of that or like where you're at now comparing to other people that'll be like even just dead subconscious sometimes without you actually thinking like oh my god like 
out loud why am I not in this position either or why did I not learn this at counselling or why did I not develop this skill or that kind of thing but like it can just be so kind of rooted and subconscious anyway that like it can be more damaging than maybe you think it is yeah yeah it's it's really really true and I'm just trying to get it up now because I did a post on it um I did a post that was actually all about barriers to accessing mental health services yeah yeah quite near the start of my account but basically just because I I don't think I just don't think if you haven't ever encountered a barrier then then how would you know it existed yeah yeah that's Uh, true and like the response that that as a post got was absolutely amazing it's amazing Um, and I think it just reiterated that actually it is it is really difficult sometimes and I think that's a conversation that maybe does need to be had more yeah definitely there's so many barriers like I thought for me like I mean it was so in denial but like I literally just thought like okay I've caught the symptoms quite early like I'm kind of on it this time compared to when I was younger ring the GP and then everything's just going to sort of flow from there and I think at the beginning obviously where my symptoms were a lot milder with like depression then I sort of could reach out I was in a position where I could reach out a lot more and try and like help myself so at that point you know I was kind of trying to ring every single person that I knew existed or like certain um university counseling service like again like the disability service that we have in Sheffield things like that that I knew were there but like obviously again I probably didn't know of half the services that like were available that I could have got in contact with but I definitely tried my best obviously reach out to the people like the people that I knew were there um and I think I just thought then all the help was going to like flood to me to be honest and it was going to be as easy as that but absolutely not and then obviously by the time you have to even wait for like a month for a GP appointment or then they tell you to come back when basically symptoms get worse because they don't want to medicate you or whatever or do anything initially and then you have to wait another month and then you know as these months and months are ticking by things can just get a lot more severe a lot more quickly and I think you know things can deteriorate a lot more quickly as well than what people think um and that's why I just think there's so much does need to change in the services because I think that's probably just like a known common fact that like you know things take too long and people are getting to the point of crisis or severe anyway when like things could have been prevented a lot earlier on which is just such a shame yeah no I agree like we shouldn't be stretched as a service to the point that you can only take on patients for treatments who come in the door and are like actually I've genuinely hit a point where I don't think I want to be here yeah because as soon as you hit that point anyone who is starting to struggle can't get any support until they are also at that point and that is a point that we really do not want people to be getting to 100 percent, 100 percent it's yeah, so avoidable yeah. as well like it's because it's so avoidable like that's what makes it so like like angry it makes you so frustrating like angry because it's just, just it's not necessary for it to have to get to that point yeah and like the there shouldn't be any onus on if if you are really struggling you there is a limit to like to how much work you are emotionally able to, to put in to finding support mm-hmm. like that support needs to be easy to access like as in i'm talking you need to be able to google there needs to be a website you put in your postcode you put in your condition and it will bring up that's that places and you need to be able to like your gp should be able to put in all those forms for you yeah yeah i totally agree it's so hard to action these things when you're like actually in a state like it's so difficult i think that's thing like obviously people can just kind of have them connotations for me I definitely know at uni people definitely thought I was 100% lazy like not doing anything to help myself at times when in my mind like I'd done the absolute most that I could have done but like especially earlier on when I ha- wasn't as kind of unwell at that point but like even so on I think people don't realize how hard it actually is to action those things and like 
like you say, be proactive and put yourself out there when you know you're literally struggling just to get through like waking up every day and just doing like the basic of basic tasks. Never mind like ringing around, sitting on phones for like hours trying to get through to someone, or you know, emails back and forth, or all of these kind of things trying to organize your own help. It's just so draining. Yeah. Yeah. Like the post that I did today about supporting the disabled community, as a lot of that is about acknowledging that it's too exhausting to have to advocate for yourself and an entire community all the time like doesn't work the only way that like you need there needs to be other people who have more time and energy to be able to put into it supporting that and like it's it's too emotionally draining to like you're so emotionally involved in the issues that you're fighting for so like like if if someone makes a comment about like I don't know say I'm walking down and you hear a conversation and someone's like oh my god no like they were so like crazy like bipolar crazy I know that if I get involved with that a I will probably cry because I'm angry and it it will just happen and I hate that that will probably happen but it it probably will and then it, it is just so, so draining to have to take it on when you are so emotionally involved in an issue. What I want to ask you about is like with your bipolar, like what is kind of, how did it present in you or like how is it presenting now? Like has things changed over time? Have things kind of stayed the same since you kind of were aware of them symptoms? And like, where has it kind of been in terms of like mania, depression? Like how does that cycle sort of happen, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, really, it's a really good question. So for me, um, I my strong tendencies with mine are towards mixed affective which is actually in many ways considered to be one of the most dangerous because it basically means that for me the lower my mood dropped Mm -hmm. the faster I go right so I it's and it's why I've never I've never agreed with the depression diagnosis either because I've never had the sort of depression where I'm in bed and I can't bring myself to get up. Right. Okay. So it's like a very yeah. different type of depression in a way. I suppose that's that's the type of depression I relate to, but then yours yeah. is completely different. Yeah. So for me, like the the lower the my mood drop, the more I had to be doing things, and the more impulsive I become, um, right. which is then obviously a really really bad combination because, say, like. So I'll be, I don't know, I'll have a day. I'm like, my mood's horrifically low, but I'm like, oh my God, let's get up. We're going to have breakfast. Ooh, let's go like mm-hmm. to the shops, to the shops. Then in the background, it's still like, yeah, but yeah, but you don't want to be here. Like this, yeah. this, is a, this is a bad plan. Like, come on, like, like just background intrusive thoughts that are just. Yeah, it's like so yeah. different, isn't it? Because obviously most people would obviously associate, like you say, like their depressive symptoms, probably like the typical depression in that way that I would call, like what I would see myself fitting into. In yeah. Terms of, yeah, not being able to motivate yourself, not being able to get out of bed, not getting a shower in two days, not three days. Well, like, all them kind of things where everything's just slow and low. But then for you, obviously things speeding up, but then still having them negative thoughts in the back of your head as well. Yeah, exactly. And it means that like if I get to an evening, and I'm in like I'm hitting the I'll have a period of like three days which is for me a real danger period um because especially in evenings and like for me it's very very sleep affected like if I haven't slept it's 10 times worse and it can actually trigger an episode okay if I don't if I have some really bad sleep 
Um, because in the same way that say you're going shopping and you're like, I don't know, you're feeling good. You're going out somewhere, like you're living your best life, like you're proud of what you're doing. And you're like, you know what, that new top, I'm going to get a new top. I do that. Yeah. But it's like those pills, let's take them. Like, and it's such a dangerous point. It's like literally being on a paper edge yeah. because like you've got like crushing depression, but also like very high levels of, of like impulsivity. It's really hard. That combination at the same time must be so hard to deal with. Cause I can't even imagine in that way of like, I've only felt like the other end of the spectrum anyway. Like I've only had like the depression to deal with, if that makes sense. But to have to have that in combination with kind of highs as well and like the elation or whatever other symptoms come with mania and then them co- that, that combination I can't imagine like that conflict in a way going on in your head it's so must be so hard to manage yeah and it's where actually so when I had this like proper psychiatric evaluation as which sounds really like scary it was literally just a two-hour chat with a guy about my life and he asked me to bring in when I came he was like do you keep a journal and I was like yes and they was like can you bring it in? And in the back of my head, I'm like, hell nah. I'd be so scared. You're reading my journal. It's not <laughs> happening. And um, yeah, I could like, and, and I think he could hear my hesitation. He was like, don't worry, like I'm not going to read it. And I was like, mm-hmm. but I went. And I like brought it with me, which to be fair, I was not going to do, but I was like, you know what? We're going to do this. Like, yeah. and took it. And what was really interesting is he flipped through it. And he'd just be going through and then he stopped at a page and he was like, here, I'm not going to read it, but here it was bad. And I took the book off him, looked at it and I was like, okay. That's so weird. Like, yeah. Carried on. He was like, for this set of days, it was bad. Then we started to like get all right again. Then here it's bad. And the reason he could tell is my handwriting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where I was like depressive manic, Mm. my hand like my handwriting was like it's like a scroll like you you can hardly you can see the speed at which it's written wow that is crazy isn't it that he could like pick up on that so easily yeah and like obviously it wasn't that's not like a diagnostic criteria but it's like something that he used to actually be like yeah you're right what you experience isn't depression Mm. as a standalone yeah it's a bit more complicated than that wow Um, it's crazy because like that thing already when you're like in depression like you that is already like very difficult to deal with and like you already feel so consumed by that so to have to have like that element still to it but then be having this other completely different element of everything being so kind of be at speed or impulsive or any of them other kind of symptoms like that it must be just so intense like i can't even imagine it yeah it's a it's a really really weird set of like emotions and what makes it really difficult is obviously people people don't notice yeah. that and it's because unbelievable you, that you can hide it's unbelievable that we have like the capability to like hide it in a way yeah and it's not even like consciously but because like you said when people think of depression they think of you can't get out of bed like you you or you're just low and flat all the time Whereas yeah. when you looked at me in an episode, mate, I was out here doing everything. Yeah. I was like going on a run, going to the food shops, you know, I was like in the library, I'd be like buzzing. Oh my God. I used to drive people mad though. because I wouldn't shut up. Um, <laughs> I just keep going and it's going. So mad. And it's going. So, it's so crazy, isn't it? Cause I think like you at like your 
worse in that way with bipolar like like you're saying you're kind of out the house doing this that that like probably to others looking really productive even to yourself maybe being really productive and then on like my heart my part being really bad it's like me doing absolutely f all like not leaving the house seeing nobody doing absolutely nothing not exercising eating like crap you know what i mean like the contrast is so crazy yeah i think and it 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 just is something that i think as well like gps obviously can't know can't know everything but i think there does there needs to be an element of like if a like i've said to so many gps that like as soon as my mood feet my mood drops and i feel like someone's put me on fast forward and they're like yeah. what do you mean and i was like you know when you watch the tv <laughs> and you hit it and then you gradually go through all of them until you get to 64 mm. or i don't know my tv only goes up to 64 i don't know some people might have faster tvs than me it's fast forward like, yeah yeah so like for me i'll have like two weeks where for the first 10 days I gradually go fast four times four times eight, 16, 32, 64. And then I'll have about three, four days on 64, which is like high risk days. And then I sort of, then I sleep for about not like I will literally, when I crash out of that, I'm like shattered. Like I will like sleep for literally like a week Um, and then like come out the other end of it. Wow. Like how many, how often is this like a continuous thing that will happen for you? Kind of like, you know, a week a month or two weeks a month like how consistent is this is this like a thing that would happen like a couple of times a year or are we talking like this is just consistent pattern so like yeah so for me like I have as a standard like I have what would be considered a high level of intrusive thoughts just kind of chilling in the background like I don't know I feel like they don't really cause me a huge amount of distress because they've been there for for a very long period of time. time yeah and then I would maybe have I reckon between four and seven like full episodes a year okay yeah so it's and then would they be usually triggered off by something specific or is it just kind of like it could happen from anything and and out of anywhere really it's not something that you could like predict so like some of them so like sleep is a really big one Mm. like if I don't sleep and I almost I'm literally like a toddler like if I get (laughs) overtired instead of having a strop I'm very likely to like start an episode which does not work well with exam stress <laughs> i know i know that combination yeah so like in the first year i actually deferred my january exams mm. because i was like the day before the exam i literally messaged med school and i was like no can't. Yeah, i literally and they were like no that that's fine so i sat everything in the summer yeah that's um, good that's good there's like a little bit of flexibility there to a certain degree obviously it's not a pleasant experience to be going through anyway full stop but Exactly. And it's where having like schools in the loop can be really, really helpful. I didn't have to go to the doctors and provide evidence Mm. that this was happening because they knew that like there was a lot of ongoing issues. They were just like, okay, that's fine. We'll do it in the summer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's really good. Like with the med school, how did they kind of, because with that diagnosis that you've had, like with the bipolar, but being like kind of combined, like what is was that kind of something that happened a couple of years ago or was that during med school like very recent or yeah so the proper like diagnosis was actually quite recent it was okay it was either end of last year or very start of this year yeah so it's recent Um, isn't it and then was like with the same symptoms happening for your whole med school journey yeah like yeah definitely definitely for the first two years of yeah first two years of med school Mm. definitely had like the same symptoms and they put they like kick-started in 
yeah 13 properly like as having much more like episodic periods nature to um, it yeah and they don't know whether that like it could well have been triggered when I was ill in year 12 mm. um because like it did affect like they don't really know they have no idea how I was ill but like it did affect my brain wiring a bit like it yeah. gave me dyslexia um it really slowed down my cognitive processing for a while foot drop like left hand grip like all of that shebang um all happened at the end of year 12 yeah <laughs> that's crazy well, so what was the illness that you had at the end of the year 12 that like caused that was that like a diagnosed thing or was that just like you don't even know yourself what happened there so it's on my record class as an undiagnosed neurological episode wow um, that must be really hard to like just have that and you're thinking well what is like what is that like what is an undiagnosed like how like how do you move forward with that like that's hard yeah like it yeah it's a tricky one to know where your next steps are going to be with it um and I mean for the first like first two months they basically just told me I had a migraine right um and that a lot of it was like all in my head which was yeah stressful um and then since then they've actually completely gone back on that because my reflexes don't do what they're supposed to so clearly it is something's something yeah um but like I don't know I feel like I've just hit a point with that where I'm like it happened yeah it's chilling I'm yeah here where I am now yeah I suppose all you could deal with is like the problems that that kind of led to but then like I suppose with that singular event it's like what you're supposed to do with that like you can't you know you've moved on from that individual like incident it's just more kind of managing the result of that in a way yeah exactly and I think especially like I with I've done quite a lot of research into like bipolar and genetics and like because it is a fundamental brain difference yeah and like the the chances are that I would have probably ended up here anyway so like it doesn't yeah where do you think you're going to go next with bipolar like where do you think that like your treatment's going to go next or where would you like it to go or what are your kind of plans with it moving forward to kind of keep it under control and manage it so I think for me like a big thing is like making sure everyone's in the loop with it because Mm. the more people who are around me that are in the loop the more people there are to protect me yeah and also like I've so I take meds now for bipolar which have made to begin with they went they actually got put up about three weeks ago because to be honest I wasn't really noticing a huge amount of difference Mm. um but since they've gone up like I definitely feel a lot less like erratic so that's really Um, good that's a short space of time as well actually so what do you kind of notice that difference is really nice yeah and I think actually with like with medication for mental health stuff like I'm a firm believer that you should it's really really hard but like you should give it like three four months yeah definitely to properly like a kick in and then b have a dose gradually raised Mm -hmm. but then also if you if you hit to that point and and you're not noticing any change and you feel like your mental health is deteriorating like advocate to try something else else yeah like there there's a lot out there that you can try and some are like very very similar like for example there's citalopram and escitalopram oh this is crazy isn't it like it's just so yeah. similar like even the names are the same basically yeah well i think hold on i'm just um esc- i think it's just to do with they're like i yeah so like 
yeah it's literally to do with their like um isomers oh it's crazy so probably like you know yeah. got a similar action but they're just obviously slightly like their actual makeup is slightly different yeah it's mad and that's like, even with like ssris like i've been in that boat of like you know searching i felt like work for me for like a little bit like i felt like it made a little bit of a difference initially but then after about a month or two of taking well there maybe about three months of taking 50 or like four months and I sort of give it a while to work and it took a while to even and like for me to feel any difference and then it kind of had a couple of months where I felt like okay things were improving slightly and then beyond that I kind of just felt like 50 was doing absolutely nothing like but then I didn't know whether that was kind of it like that was the best I was gonna get out of like antidepressants and, like it couldn't really make any difference if I'd like you know no matter what I'd do then at that point like that was just kind of the baseline of like effectiveness I was gonna get or whether you know up the dose and then see what happens then so obviously I up the dose to 100 then that helped a lot more but then I started getting rid of side effects with like nausea and acid reflux and things and then that's where then things have started coming down but I'm at a point now even where I'm thinking you know I'm not on anything but I'm thinking do I I'm thinking you know do I go back on something but try something else essentially and but be on a low dose of 25 50 and see how we go and it is hard to manage like you say like with side effects from antidepressants and sometimes when you first start taking them like it's not a pleasant experience but then I suppose the long-term benefits might really outweigh that short-term risk or that short-term kind of hell of taking them and the side effects you might get in the first couple of weeks exactly and I think there is still a lot of stigma around taking medication and antidepressants and I the one that I've had a lot is especially because like I'm I'm on like quite a few that to do with like stabilizing my mood and like helping ensure I get the proper sleep pattern and the stuff is that like yeah but are you scared that you don't know who you are without them all kind of it, zombified stuff and like people being like oh you don't know who you exactly. are and zombified and all of that yeah and the thing is is that i like i know exactly who i am when i'm not on them and i don't function like the the idea of me being on them for life doesn't horrify me no i know i agree it's, with you it's that. like that that's not the that's not the end of the world like and if that's something that we've managed to do through science that can help correct what is the biochemical imbalance in my brain yeah why not then why would i not because you know what if you have high blood pressure from the age of 12 no one goes oh yeah but you know does it not horrify like do you not think maybe you should try some other things like if something's working for you like no matter what it is like you stay on that honey like you know what I mean like it's just what is the like you you don't need to stop because like society might make you feel like you have to or like whatever that reason or you think you're losing touch of like your sense of self or whatever that is but like for me like I agree Uh, with you totally like I would be happy being on them forever and be like if that were is that if that's working for me obviously if like it's giving me like the most horrific side effects in the world and like I want to try something else then yeah but if it's like actually doing me good like that would really not bother me being on it forever yeah and I think actually like if there shouldn't be any difference in how we view someone who's chosen to come off them mm-hmm. versus someone who's chosen to stay on them because actually yeah. both are a personal decision and for some people different ones are going to work differently mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what like if you like the amount of people that end up in hospital from an or like dead like death via suicide which is entirely preventable if that was someone that you knew or you were close to I bet you wish they'd there'd be more support for them and part of that support is meds you Mm -hmm. can't say that you are supporting that and then not support 
yeah like it doesn't work like people who are like oh yeah I support LGBTQ but then don't wholeheartedly support trans individuals within the community yeah yeah like no Mm -hmm. you you, you're either in Or or and like for a personal view absolutely fine like not with LGBTQ but as in with medications if you personally don't want to take medications absolutely fine yeah but you should be pro-choice for every single other person yeah exactly everyone should have the freedom to do what they want to do and if like that works for them and like then yeah it's so hard like yeah medication is definitely something that i've sort of been on the ups and downs with not i've never really felt that much pressure to kind of be on them or not on them in terms of like other people's thoughts but it's more just like me trying to find my own way with it and like what works for me well and thinking like is that kind of the maximum effectiveness I'm going to get out of that drug like so do I need to go on to something completely different or is this meant to be working better for me than what it is because I suppose you've got no parameter have you of like is this working or not I suppose you can kind of you obviously know if your symptoms are getting better or better or not but it's hard to know whether like that is the maximum that drug will do at that dose or whether you should be expecting more from it so when kind of GPs would be like oh you know is it working like has it worked I'd be thinking well you know it's helped me a little bit but I don't know if I'd go to the extent of saying it's worked because I've still obviously got the symptoms that I've got if that makes sense yeah no it really really does um and yeah basically my view on literal life is that unless it's actively harming someone else it should be pro-choice like as in literally like for honestly any topic unless a decision is actively harming others or discriminating against others or like yeah harm in any sense then at the end of the day people should be able to do what they would like to do without fear of repercussion 100 percent. well how are you feeling about going back to medical school in september with kind of everything at the moment and your diagnosis and stuff especially with it being relatively recent oh i have such like i have such mixed feelings like i feel like if i went back three weeks I was hyped like I was so so ready yeah. but I feel like now all of a sudden it's like what day what day is it today the it's the 10th so I'm going back to yeah. 15 days ah it dawns upon you doesn't it and I it's like that is happening until I'm like getting my ass back to uni it's crazy yeah <laughs> it really just dawns yeah, all yeah. of a sudden I'm like whoa it's um, a lot so are you excited for it still overall or is there just like some massive kind of cons- like blocks in your head that you're thinking oh my god like that's gonna bother me or yeah no I'm really excited for it and I'm like I'm so excited to have some routine and structure back in my life um because again that's something that makes a huge difference to my like mental health yeah is having some routine and structure and like you have to be here for this time and then you're going to be there for this time and then also like when I go back to uni I have my specialist mentor back yeah that's the other thing that that people don't talk about is the fact that when you go home as a student, mm. your support does not come with you. Exactly. And for some people, it can be the complete opposite, can't it? Like at home for them, that can be the best of the best support network. And obviously going to uni is like completely depriving them of that. And then or vice versa, like you say, and you come home from uni and you lose all the support that you have. Yeah. And like, for me, it definitely is that my, a lot of my, especially with like medical stuff, that that is, I have a lot like friends down here that I talk to about a lot of stuff. But I'm also very like, I think talking to friends and stuff is great, but I don't think that it's necessarily appropriate to offload to friends. They are aware that you don't have support in place at that moment in time, Mm. because I think that can be 
like there's a reason psychiatrists have a psychology degree yeah and like I just like yeah like all my friends that it's relevant to like know like all of my health situation Mm. but I personally I'm quite hesitant hesitant to Mm. discussing like stuff because like yeah I don't know I feel like it's a lot to put like I if I was like struggling I'd be like oh yeah I'm struggling blah 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 but like that's Mm. that's the point at which I stop not necessarily all the detail yeah exactly because like I I don't and actually it's something you see a lot on Instagram and I know that I have been guilty of it as well Mm. Um, and it's called like trauma dumping so like you do a post yeah and like it's I don't know a personal experience and it might be like oh I don't know what sort of topic like like especially if someone's talking about how they've had like a really bad day with like x chronic illness right okay yeah and then people fly into the comments and it's like oh my god no this happened to me too like and then I've been really struggling because two weeks ago my granddad died and then my mood's mm-hmm. really dropped and then like my ex illness flared up and like yeah. I've really been like and and that there is a lot that, of it isn't it's, there? exactly and that is basically what trauma dumping mm. is and mm. I think that it's really easy to forget that we can also do that to friends yeah yeah it's, to. it's so hard that balance isn't it because obviously again if like for, like personal preference if like people do prefer like you know and love to you know speak to their friends about things and like that's their main form of support then like so be it like I'd rather someone have that than absolutely no support whatsoever but at the same time like you say it's kind of again have words where's the line or is there a line or for some people it probably is some people it isn't but like you know it's it is hard and thinking how that might affect somebody else as well yeah no definitely um it it's it swings around about and again mm. like it's personal choice for everyone but I think it is something that actually people do need to be aware of yeah definitely just that awareness isn't it because like for me personally I think it's been e- obviously you might be similar in that way like it's been easier for me that like I just find it easy generally to like talk to like basically strangers about like not straight well yeah I suppose straight as long as I feel comfortable with them but like you know a psychiatrist or not psychiatrist but like a doctor or a university tutor but like someone who doesn't really know me really like they obviously know who I am but like don't know me know me but I find it easier to talk to people like that for like support or just generically like how I am rather than like my family and friends so like I don't know what that is with me but like that is just the way it is so I think where some people are the complete opposite and probably just get their sole support from family and friends and then maybe nothing really else were so it's really kind of interesting how everyone can find like the right support for them or whether it you know maybe is the most appropriate or not appropriate but you know it's kind of yeah some people will offload loads to one individual person or some people might have you know 10 different people for support um yeah it's really interesting yeah like and I think we just, I don't know, I think if people kept a really open attitude, um, I think it would help a lot. But also, like, if if you hadn't been through it, yeah. and if you, if you hadn't struggled with your mental health, and then, like, your best mate told you that they were having really intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. if you've, that if that's something you've dealt with, you, you can know that there's a difference between having them and having intent. Yeah yeah if you if you've if you've never never experienced that mm. imagine that per, to that person even if you've just said that it's like background noise you yeah. basically told them that yeah. you have a plan yeah yeah 
it's so true i think like that's what puts people off a lot of the time isn't it even seeking the help if they are in that point of crisis for example because like or maybe not even in that well yeah maybe in that point of crisis of the sense that they're having thoughts but not in sense of intent um which i can definitely relate to but then it's like you don't want to seek help or say that to anybody because you know that everybody's going to fly off the handle especially people like you say that haven't had experience with that before which you can totally understand because they're obviously just concerned for your safety and like you know are going to kind of maybe presume the worst potentially but like they will love to jump up like you know you've got a plan and like you say like it's something that you've properly thought about and planned out when actually it is like noise or like background thoughts in a way that isn't something that you can obviously be aware of that you're having those thoughts but it's not something that you've ever thought about doing if that makes sense and then obviously you know people are going to kind of fly off the handle and start kind of you know ringing 999 or whatever um in response to that potentially if they've not had experience of it yeah no i agree and like in some ways like i don't i think that it is just it would be a very normal reaction to what is a really scary comment to have said to you Mm -hmm. like it's so true it exactly and like i have a very it's it's kind of not the same but it kind of is so i i'm very tall so and i have low blood pressure so i pass out a lot like it's just a thing and sometimes when i pass out i think like i'll shake i'm like tremory mm-hmm. and to me that's completely normal yeah but mm-hmm. i i do not i would never get like people call an ambulance for it yeah. all the freaking time do yeah. not need an ambulance but you'll know call an yeah. Ambulance. Yeah. exactly because they they don't know what it is at the end of the day that that, that person just doesn't want to be responsible if it goes wrong mm-hmm. and that's okay yeah rightly like, so yeah 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 it's so true it's the same as like exactly like I was gonna say the exact same thing what kind of the point you made in terms of obviously to me if I was having those thoughts for example or like I'm sure a lot of people with depression or any other mental illness if they've had them then that's their reality at that point and maybe has been for a long time if they've been dealing with that illness for you know years plus or months or whatever that is so that's kind of become a bit more norm to them so obviously for you saying it it doesn't really seem you're kind of thinking why is everyone flying off the handle but obviously in real, like reality in their reality that is not a normal day-to-day situation that they're coming across someone telling them they even if it's like a thought or whatever that is but like that is obviously gonna make them freak out where to you you're probably thinking like what is the problem <laughs> like you don't need, you know i know where i'm at like you don't need to freak out but obviously you can understand people's response in that way yeah it's it's an entirely understandable and just a very humane response definitely um because and i think as well it's one where actually a lot of people can fall out about and if you tell something someone like that and they feel the need to tell someone else i'm not talking like gossip no, I'm talking but, like tell maybe one other close friend who they yeah. know isn't going to spread or talk to their mum or talk to someone at school. Mm-hmm. They are doing it because they love you so yeah. much that like the thought of you doing that is mm-hmm. scary enough that they are willing to break your trust. Yeah. Make yeah. sure you're safe. Yeah, like, that's true. Rather than just keep it to themselves and it kind of goes no further, but yeah it's so true like they're actually telling other people because they care yeah yeah you do not you do not see in the moment like from experience i know that you do not see that i feel you on that i've only just thought about that actually when you were saying it i thought oh yeah i've thought of a time where like you know you're thinking god like as if she's gone and said something like how but like it's so true like obviously of course they're gonna say something in your kind of best interest and for your safety rather than just like keeping it to themselves and then what yeah exactly 
One last thing I want to speak to you about is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which I think I'm pronouncing right. I mean, I should know because like we've been taught about it at dental school as well. Yeah. Um, so EDS. So yeah, let me like go, go into a little bit about your experience with that and kind of, again, how long you've sort of had the symptoms for. I know obviously it's genetic, so I don't know if that's something then you'll have symptoms from a young age or does it present later on in life? Yeah, so again, it's one that's like very, very different depending on who you are. And it's a hugely varied condition. Mm. Um, and like for me, like A, I've just, I've always been very, very accident prone, but I would do things that got <laughs> injuries that didn't warrant what I'd done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm very, very hypermobile. Um, right. Like, I'm trying to think of the name. You know Evie Oddly or RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh, yeah. That does all the, like, freaky bendy, bendy oh, stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah, is that what it's like? Yeah, Ella's Dan- that he's got Ella's Danlos syndrome. Ah. Yeah, so, like, things like, you know when you, like, do that stretch? Oh, I'm doing it now as if everyone can see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where, like, you put, like, your elbow above your head and you, like, stretch yeah. it sideways? Yeah, I don't know yeah, if that yeah. makes any sense. No, like, so, behind like, your head, that. you stretch. Yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah, yeah so I can very nearly get the arm that's up Mm. flat across my shoulders pointing in the wrong direction ow and it doesn't hurt at all no (laughs) wow so that's something um, you noticed from a young age i suppose like i don't know when you would sort of notice that because i suppose unless you're like trying to figure it out but yeah it was just like i could just do the cool tricks you know like i was just i was just like the bendy i could do weird stuff with my just a bendy child um yeah exactly um and then it also like I've got a very typical build for Ella's Danlos. Like I'm very tall. Um, I'm very, very slight. Um, I don't put on weight. Like I've, it's actually something I've struggled with for like a long right. time is the fact that actually, unless like, especially before I did competitive netball, I literally yeah. looked like I didn't eat and not like, oh That's my gosh, they're like slim as in like, wow, do we need to call social services? They don't look yeah. like they're eating. Um, is, that co- is that a common thing in EDS? Yeah, it depends on the subset. Right. But it's quite common with hypermobile. Okay. And then you also see it with a different condition called Marfans. Right. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard of Marfans, yeah. Yeah, because you get, you've probably done it in dentistry because you get the really, really high palate that makes yeah. everything really awkward. Yeah. That must be it, yeah. But yeah, it's like, again, like I, compared to the severity of symptoms that a lot of people get, mm. mine is quite well managed um, yeah so can, can it completely be really being around my joints sorry you go no sorry girl. you carry on with like what sort of symptoms you get because I was going to ask the same thing does it just vary with the symptoms for like each person like the severity of them yeah no it really does and also it de- depends like different people have different symptoms mm. often depending on subtypes that are affected to different severities yeah so for me like I have my very bendy joints my skin is quite stretchy um and my like if I have scars they tend to heal a bit weirdly like and they're often quite noticeable yeah so like I've had I had a couple of moles removed off my back Mm -hmm. and the scars whereas for a lot of people you'd get a really neat tiny little line Mm -hmm. mine don't do that um interesting so it's like your yeah, skin makeup. Then, so it's like your skin makeup will be like different. I suppose that's what it is, isn't it? It's like connective tissue disorder, but like your yeah. skin kind of makeup will be different in a way. Yeah, no, it is, and like your collagen fibers just aren't necessarily doing what they should be. Mm. Um, and then the bit that confused everyone 
was the yeah. fact that I also have a very, very high palate. So, which kind of throws a spanner in the works. Mm. Um, yeah. And then like, I often, I like every so often have like gastro issues. Jesus, so like, I might just have like a, like, whereas like for a lot of people, like if you have a funny tummy, like that's an unusual thing. Yeah. Like well, for, for me, you, that's, it's, it's just really not. Like I don't even think twice, twice about it's crazy yeah because all of experience just myself like, <laughs> like just, it's just like okay gastro great yeah um, yeah i can experience it myself even just from like ibs and stuff like having yeah just kind of that not really being anything that's crazy like having your stomach upset of any form like whichever way of the other it is it's like it's not really like whoa this is unusual you know what i mean it's just like a common daily occurrence yeah and like for me like depending on how oh, i don't even know just depending depending on life like the amount that I can do on a given day is very very different depending on joint pain which is something that is really really difficult because people don't always understand yeah so like I might on a Saturday morning be able to go and play an hour of netball at center mm-hmm. and I'm fine yeah two weeks later I might spend the whole week where my joints are in agony I'm on high dose painkillers and it really hurts and I'm exhausted oh it's awful and isn't it yeah, and that's a really big part of it. And it's, I, like, again, that's something that I know how to manage. But actually the most difficult thing to manage is other people's expectations mm. of how you should be as yeah. a disabled individual. Yeah, because they probably think in some ways, like, the people who are sort of around you, like, might see that one you know, sort of personality to see the same person but like you know it's like as if this view is a split personality in the sense of like you know being really active like when your joints are fine and like the symptoms may be less severe and you can go about your day to day life a lot more and then the other personality in their mind were like or other person where you know you're not able to do those things but people can still have them expectations of like the other person that they view but obviously you are all one but like people don't necessarily see you as that which is a shame yeah like it's literally like I have two different bodies yeah and depending Mm. on the day they look exactly the same but how I feel within myself is like radically different Mm. and actually the other thing people don't get is that if I did not do anything with my life and lived a completely like sedentary lifestyle Mm -hmm. I would still have peaks and troughs like me Mm -hmm. playing netball does not mean that I did this to myself yeah uh-huh. you do not correlate in any way like yeah. not mm-hmm. no not even like and then they'll be like yeah but maybe a, no like not there, at all. there is literally no for me and it, again it's different for everyone but for me there is no correlation yeah um yeah like the only correlation will be like okay my muscles ache because I just played a game a at center and I was researching that earlier actually that like EGS is so complex like I was reading that like EGS can cause um the tachy- like when you get the orthostatic kind of hypertension in a way and like well hypotension and sort of fainting and that kind of thing with like POTS but like that can cause it or can be at least linked to it I don't know which way round in terms of like can EGS cause kind of orthostatic hypertension and sort of tachycardia and all that sort of things where then you might pass out or is it just a link i still don't know that myself but like i find it still really interesting that them Ooh. two do link it's really yeah, interesting no, it's really really interesting with looking at you like i definitely just found that kind of link between eds then pots and um chronic fatigue as well and i just think that kind of whole three combination is really interesting how them three link up and obviously they're very different conditions with obviously eds being genetic anyway then you've obviously got like orthostatic tachycardia syndrome being not 
genetic and that being more nervous system related and then obviously chronic fatigue as well so then three things coming together if I'm really interested in how they're all linked yeah no definitely um and I think the way it links is that if you've got Ehlers-Danlos you are more likely to experience a form of dysautonomia, so like a dysfunction with your nervous system. Right. Um, and yeah, I think again, people, Instagram is an amazing tool, like especially for me, like as a medic and having had some less known conditions. Yeah, yeah. I, I like everyone who's out there who's doing a post about, I don't know, Beckett's or mm-hmm. like a different, rare, unusual condition. If I see that post, mm-hmm. like I can promise you that I have then gone and looked at it and yeah. like that post yeah. has made a difference because like I want to know more about it and even you if you so even if people just read that post mm-hmm. yeah like there, there'll be a few symptoms in combination that yeah. stick in people's minds and yeah. just hearing that name like a few times mm-hmm. becomes ingrained it's like do you know or how do you say epidermalis uh, eb yes I've heard of it um, yeah epidermalysis bullosa so it's a very, very rare condition, but it's come around on Facebook a few times. So and now I, most people know what EB is. At least down wouldn't to what that's necessarily even if... know enough to di- like be yeah. like, um, yeah, they wouldn't necessarily be able to make a dio- diagnosis there and then, but mm-hmm. you're aware that it yeah. exists as a thing. Yeah, and that's so important. Anyway, obviously it'd be ideal if like, the whole world knew like every symptom about every condition and every, you know, what it all is, what it means. But like even just to have that awareness of like what it stands for, like it exists, like that is still better than absolutely nothing and no education or awareness whatsoever. And that's definitely something that I'm trying to become a little bit better at. And I suppose with um degree courses like ours, we're obviously lucky that we're gonna learn more about these maybe unknown conditions or some of them, like things I didn't have a clue existed before. Kind of start in university like I'm trying to think of an example like there's like a condition called cladocranial dystosis I think which I've never heard of before starting uni I mean I couldn't probably tell you like a million things about it now but just even having that awareness that it exists and then obviously it'll keep coming up throughout the course anyway so we'll soon kind of have it ingrained in us a little bit more but it's been so good to learn about some of these conditions that obviously are there and are present but like there's just no education or like no kind of representation of it anywhere yeah, and also because the thing is, a lot of these more unusual conditions, they don't always have like a specific diagnostic like marker, as in like, oh, do you have this gene or like, oh, do you have this blood? It's like more like, okay, so what's your like bendiness score? Yeah, like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it, they're largely theoretical and very, very, very patient dependent. So you don't in some ways probably having a whole great big list of textbook criteria would actually put you in a worse position yeah because yeah. it completely narrows down what you're looking for That's and so not all patients in fact a very small percentage of patients will present with classic presentations Symptoms. of yeah. anything yeah it's so true i think so even doctors sometimes can get so honed in on like thinking that someone's going to present exactly the way that like maybe you're taught that they're going to present or like the most common symptoms like the most five common symptoms or whatever but it's just not the way like necessarily obviously some people might just conform to that naturally and just present with those symptoms but other people can probably lead the opposite so it's really hard yeah no it it really is and like at the end of the day every one person that you impact through a post is mad yeah yeah like, it's so true if you think if you think how like this literally blows my mind on a daily basis if you think how like huge 
like the universe is <laughs> yeah. and that like you as like such a tiny insig not in like this is in like a tiny no, insignificant but- part of it yeah somehow managing to make a change yeah it's Mate, so that's true. mind-blowing it's mad isn't like, it it's so mad I feel like we're both trying to do that or doing that which is just incredible yeah and yeah I think like more and more social media is being used to like create this sort of positive change and yeah. increased awareness and I'm living for it I love it I know so do I like and I just learned so much like, even with Earl Stanlos syndrome like we've well, syndromes that's the that's the point I was going to make like we've learned we've taught I think to be honest in uni I think it's only linked with obviously like periodontal EDS and it being like a gum problem affecting like the connective tissue in your gums but like that's like probably the only time it's come up in a lecture but I mean you know not even like a whole slide on it just like a bullet point so it's not really come up but like I didn't even know that it's like a classification of syndromes like plural like I just thought when you say someone says like I've got Ehlers-Danlos syndrome I suppose it is an umbrella kind of thing for like the subtypes but like I just presumed it was just one category and like that is just what it is not that there was 13 different types which I just think is mad so like I already learned that from your post and like found that so interesting that there's like 13 different subtypes um so like yeah and just even knowing little things like that you don't have to know like every single type off by heart and like whatever but just knowing little things is just so interesting yeah no it really is and I think actually yeah like you if you like spend or I don't know for me at least if I spend half an hour doing some googling Mm. and then I don't know let's do like five sets of five minutes recaps on what I've learned and that means that I can make a significant difference to a patient's life worth it I mean yeah that's all there is to say isn't there (laughs) exactly it's so true like I literally could speak to you for like hours like I mean we didn't even touch on like DSA applications so I feel like we're gonna have to come like get you back and have another chat about generally just more about mental health anyway and also I'd love to hear more about like the support at Birmingham if you know a little bit about like what they have on offer and what is available um and also the um disability students allowance as well and sort of applications around that I know I've had a few questions over summer about applications for that as well and obviously I don't even know much about it myself being like kind of first time I've looked into it this year um so yeah it'd be great to touch on that as well and hopefully that would answer some people's questions that like they've got in touch with me about yeah no definitely um and yeah I just think it's cool and like even having podcasts like this that are creating an open dialogue about what are often quite stigmatized stuff especially with mental health like friendly reminder to literally everyone that mental health awareness isn't just depression and anxiety mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. also patients with psychosis patients yeah. who have voices that tell you think that tell them things mm-hmm. that like watch them when they sleep that yeah. like can't that have like personality disorders mm-hmm. where thought processes can be completely it, it's everyone huge way. Um, that's, it affects everybody i think that's what i find so hard to kind of get across is like obviously I just didn't like the way that it's so kind of separated in a way from like physical health and like people just think of like they say the word mental health and it's like oh like someone's got a mental health problem just because you're saying the word like mental health but it's like because people just say like you know people suffer with mental health and be like what's that even mean like people suffer I don't want to say that people suffer with mental health and people suffer with physical health one I don't really like particularly like the word suffer in any way and two like obviously I just feel like people when they say mental health it's just this like huge thing where people don't go like oh she's suffering from physical health like that just doesn't even make sense then people use mental health in that kind of phrase which I just don't particularly love but like it's so relevant to, like everyone's got a physical health and a mental health like it's not hard like you just have the two like they marry up like 
it's so relevant to everybody and if anyone can do anything that's like preventative or like anything that's like you know going to improve their well-being on a general day-to-day basis before things become like a mental illness and you're going to get diagnosed with something if people can kind of keep themselves out of that by any kind of prevention um and just general like well-being and self-care mindfulness whatever that is then like that is relevant to everybody and people need to be like paying attention to it because that could really save them some like grief in the long run if like they would have become mentally unwell at least they'd have the tools to be able to maybe know where to go and get help a little bit earlier if like when they're not mentally unwell they're taking these things seriously and know how important it is yeah um and I think a lot of it like links back so like in the post I did today I had two slides about checking your vocab mm-hmm. which because the language that we use on a daily basis matters yeah so like yeah. you touched on like when you actually look at it phrases like confined to a wheelchair wheelchair mm-hmm. bound afflicted by mental suffers from victim of no mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. all that is doing is like creating an entirely negative connotation yeah around a whole group of people like they, it's a massive are... group of society as well isn't it that's the, it's not even like you know not that it'd make it any better if it was like a minute group of society but like people who are using these terms like that is like you say giving a negative connotation to like a fat proportion of society like one quarter probably if like one quarter suffer from mental health issues per year you're basically just stigmatizing like one quarter of the population and just like making it harder for everyone to seek help and feel like they can't yeah and like it, it doesn't take into account that like actually when you say a phrase like wheelchair bound a not all wheelchair users can't walk yeah yeah but there are a significant proportion of wheelchair users that are like ambulatory i think that's the right word yeah um but, but also like if you're saying they're bound okay so they're bound because maybe they can't access everywhere is that why you're using it okay well maybe the reason they can't access everywhere is because we as a society haven't got to a point where everywhere is accessible to everyone yeah like it's a really easy way of like pushing not blame but like responsibility onto someone else when actually they're, they're not tied there like we've almost done that through the way that we have lack of access yeah. in places yeah it's so like so it looks it yeah it matters everywhere and it is it's so relevant to everybody and like everyone should care because like it is like the society we're living in so yeah and like i think it is going to be probably quite it's going to take a while to change and like as far forward as we're getting there's always going to be step backs like for example in the southwest which is where i live when i'm at home they've just closed what was the only level four mental health facility in the entirety of the southwest um which so you have four classes of mental health like i don't know what the correct like services but like in hospital care um level four is mainly for if you've got a severe eating disorder to the point that you also need a lot of emergency health care on the side um because obviously it, it can stop your heart um and things like if you are very high risk to yourself and to others so like that the only service that the southwest had for that has now gone yeah and like that's a huge step back um and it it is just like that could be a whole nother podcast it's just not (laughs) correct but 
that step backwards doesn't like get rid of all of the forward work yeah. that we've done. Yeah, it's so like, true. Peaks and troughs, at the it? end of the day, there's a whole generation. Like we will do better. Yeah, yeah, so true. Like there is a definitely improvement over time, which is nice to see. It's just obviously it's hard. It's like you just want to make all the change you can. And obviously all you can do is what you can do. But like, yeah, it's very hard when you could just want to like snap your fingers and like everything to change. And obviously the world just doesn't work like that. But obviously all yeah. is our part to like hopefully make a difference and make an improvement. Yeah which is amazing so Holly I'm so grateful to have you like literally I could just chat for you for like five hours generally but um I'll have to get you back to be honest and then do another app um and yeah oh, I, pre- I would love to be back it'd be amazing and I appreciate it so much even though it's been a, the audio's been slightly laggy but like we can chill about it like it's fine at least it's better than the other one we used like we've gone on to zoom now so it's a little bit better um, yeah so yeah, much better thank you so much though for coming because I really appreciate it yeah, no, I honestly had such a lovely time. I loved, I did like one other podcast before and I literally have such a great time. I'm like, chit chat.